irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to All About Guitar with Jeff Lolo, only on LA Talk Radio. instrument. It has developed into an incredible voice in today's music. So many types of guitars, so many styles of playing, all sorts of gear. How does one make their voice be heard as a guitarist? My name is Jeff Floro and welcome to All About Guitar. Where we talk tone, we talk technique, we talk gear. Where we discover how we can become better musicians in a world of constantly changing technologies. Where we take a good look at everything guitar. And sometimes not exactly guitar, but just as important. So we can be more successful as a musician in today's music scene. So sit back and relax, and let's explore All About Guitar. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to All About Guitar uh, tonight. As you can see, if you're watching us on Facebook Live, we definitely have a full house. I, this is a We're pretty squished in here, but it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited to uh, have a chance to talk about this new album from the Delgado brothers called two trains. I'm going to kind of show it up here. And, um, I am very fortunate. We've Joey's been on the show before, but I have all three of the brothers here, Joey on guitar, Bobby on bass and Steve on drums. And, uh, we're going to talk about the whole, the whole concept of the album from creation, initial, the initial thing all the way to the final recording of it. So uh, I just want to welcome all you guys. Uh, it's great. It's really an honor to have you guys here on the show. Thank you, Jeff. Great to be here. Now, uh, I'll start with Joey, or should I start with Steve? Who should I start first? Depends what the question is. The question is, <laughs> what started, what was the, the idea to start for the concept for the album? What was the... Well, yeah, so uh, I'll go ahead and start. Um, we, we completed our, um, our album... Learn to fly in 2009, mm-hmm. and after that was done, you know the uh, the uh, the intent was to, to follow up with another record immediately, and so and, you know, being what you know, our work schedules and everything mm-hmm. else, it just it just didn't really happen immediately. So uh, I think it was in 2012 we had a what was called a creative camp, and uh, we actually sequestered ourselves in Palm Springs for three days and. Mm-hmm. And everybody brought their ideas, and we went round round table and, and uh, okay, what do you got? What do you got? What do you got? So, the majority of the record was actually written in 2012, and but it took us uh, until about 2016 or 20, maybe even 20, no, 2016 was our initial uh, tracking session for the album. Mm-hmm. And there again, you know, like three or four of the songs were actually pretty well done at that point. And then it took us another year to do the second tracking and, and, and then a third tracking to complete the record. So 
it took us about you know not not a consistent you know uh, three or four years or whatever it was but it just a good amount of time uh dedicated mm-hmm. weekends to get it done but also too in that period of time you were building your you would tell me that you were building your own studio your well yeah the studio was built already i had i have a my home in monrovia and me and my wife uh she she actually encouraged me to to do this. She said, "Why don't uh, you know? Why don't we go find a studio somewhere in town?" And when we realized we could, really couldn't afford it, I had a one car garage that was built in 1924. Mm-hmm. And she says, "Why don't you just convert that into a studio?" And I said, "Okay, you know." And then she got the bill, and she was a little uh, bummed about that. But <laughs> <laughs> but it's a really really nice studio. And actually, what we did is is that studio that we that I have built. Mm-hmm. Um, we just utilized the control room primarily, and then we, we moved into the living room, and we took all the furniture out of the living room, and that was our tracking uh, sessions. Your tracking sessions. Yes, and that was really, really comfortable and yeah. wonderful. Jo- Joey was kind to uh, send me a bunch of pictures. He took a bunch of photos. So I posted them up. They're up on the All About Guitar site. You can see them playing in some of the great, cool guitars in there. And this <laughs> album, for all you guitar players out there, there's some really tasty stuff in here. He's getting a great sound, and they're just cool little riffs. A lot. The the thing that impressed me most is all the little fills and riffs that you're doing in and around the vocals and and stuff. Besides the leads, the leads are good. Um, but let me play a a quick clip. Okay. I'm gonna play "I Live for Today," and I have again these these are songs. There's a lot of lyrics to them. I cut uh, to the lead, and then I went into the verse a little bit. But it gives you an idea of the. The quality, because the sound of your guitar is just amazing. So, <laughs> well, there, you know, it's all layered, you know. But it's, it, I appreciate that. Thank you. So, anyway, so let's take a listen, then we'll start talking about what he did. Okay. There, here we go. <laughs> That guitar. Now, which one were you using? That, I believe that was the Les Paul, and um, and I had it set up in a way that I, I was playing on the bridge, and I had it um, um, kind of a gritty uh, overdrive. But I, uh, it's kind of hard to explain because it's like a mid mid pickup position. Right, right, right. And Are you using of, both pickups? Yeah, I use both pickups and and on the Les Paul. Okay. And it gives it kind of a brighty, you know, gritty edge without being overdriven. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of the approach I took. And then there again, you know, I use the amp. Uh, with no effects at all except for the overdrive and then Ray Ray Moore added the the delay and, and reverb on it on mm-hmm. yeah, you know via Pro Tools. Well, which amp were you using? I believe that was the Super Reverb. Ah, that was the Super. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I you know I used I did use the the Music Man on on uh, the Slow Blues on Talk to Me because mm-hmm. that was really with no no of I don't even think I used an overdrive I just used the the, the Music Man. Oh, okay. We have that I have that clip too. Yeah. We'll play that in a minute. 
But this one, uh, I just have to mention, interject. When he was on the show the last time, he just got, he found his super reverb. So that was a big deal. We were like, so now I'm glad it's all functioning oh, yeah. and it's working. It was missing a couple of speakers yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But man, that amp just sounds great. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So so that was that the primary one you were using or did you yeah, use a I, lot of different ones? No, I just used, I really just used the uh, the Music Man or the uh, the Super Reverb uh, primary. Mm-hmm. And then I did use a Category 5 amp, but that was just for the tracking. And I think I actually replaced all those parts. But not because the sound was bad, it just because... I yeah. played the parts different, so yeah, no, yeah. but that that super speaks. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. really, 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 really nice. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit now in terms of the the overall concept of the album. What direction were you? Was there a specific direction you were going to go with the lyrics and and in well, terms that, of? Yeah, that would be Stevie. Yeah, well, I think um, it's always been you know ever since I started writing lyrics, which actually didn't start till I was forty years old first song I wrote was Church of Almonte oh. and so it was it was really at that time that I, I thought you know I'll write about what I know about mm-hmm. and what I know about is you know my brothers and our family and um, and just the things that, that I know and so mm-hmm. that for me as, as a lyric writer it had to be like like it had to be real for me mm-hmm. I, I, it's hard for me to but that's always been the case too. Stevie's yeah. always written about somebody he knows or an experience or something like that. Right. That's why I'm real proud of what you know our songs are about. It's they're real. Yeah. Yeah. They're real. We write. We write. You know, music that's also like going back to my brother Bob. If we're gonna play music, we better mean it. So this all goes hand in hand with the content of the of the concepts of the songs. So. Yeah, but I mean, like inspiration. Yeah. Things have changed. Circle of friends. Um, 450 Mulberry, I presume, is a place you lived. No, if you if you did a Google search, it's a, it's the address to the Lorraine Hotel. It's it's dedicated to Martin Luther King. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, so it's kind of like a riddle. <laughs> and but and explore your mind. So there's very personal things going yeah. on in the lyrics, which are very soulful. Great, great vocals on uh, on all of this. It's, it's just amazing. Uh, thanks. Yeah. So the. Um, well, okay, let me ask you this. As a producer, how did you, what was the next step? You had the songs. How right. did you put it together? Well, you know, my job as a producer with the Delgado Brothers Band, I don't dictate nothing. So mm-hmm. all, I, all I do is, is, you know, I make sure that, that, you know, right? I mean, we we get together and we, we all agree, you know, we, we have 100% input on whatever we do. So my job as a producer would just to make it all, bring it all together, you know, schedule the guys, schedule the time, you know, that that was my mm-hmm. job as a producer, you know. And then I sat there with John Avila, and I I did the initial edits, and then the guys always had the final word. So right. that, that's how I, I worked. Okay. But it's about it's about the team. I mean, Ray Moore, our audio engineer, incredible. He's a very creative, you know, audio engineer, and and he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we couldn't have done this record without him. No, sure. it's it's extraordinary. The sound is good. I do want to ask. Uh, Bobby to do something for me is play that bass riff that we just heard for the ah because that's a cool little live riff. for today yeah just a little bit of it that's very cool because <laughs> it kind of works with the the other thing and then also too uh, I got a shout out to to David Kelly. Oh. Amazing sound. That's a that's a real Hammond. Right? Oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. real stuff. It's real real Hammond, real whirly. His tone is just right, yeah. right on the money. That's right on the money. But uh, 
The other thing I wanted to, well, let's talk a little bit. Your choice of, uh, you did you do all the miking when you were miking the instruments? Was no, that no, one? that's Ray Moore. That's Ray, Ray Moore. Our, yeah, he, so like for instance on the guitar, I sent you a photo of, uh, of the guitar day that we did. And he actually put three microphone, three different microphones on the Super Reverb, one right on the cone, one about a foot away, and then one about uh, five, mm -hmm. four or five feet away. Plus, we split the signal right into the board. So, you know, he had, <laughs> we had plenty of sonic uh, sounds to choose from, you know, yeah. and, and blending. That's good. So Yeah, no, because that lets the, the amp breathe. Yeah. Just like with acoustic guitars, if you pull back a little bit, it, and, and well, definitely on the drums. If you can get if you can get the room where you can pull the mic back, you get that mm -hmm. right. You, you get you move some air, you know. Yeah, you, right. They, they sound fuller and better. Yeah. So, but yeah, no that that was that that's great. So, what did you, overall? What did you use uh, guitar wise? You had the Les Paul the three thirty five. What else were you using? Uh, I like for instance on on um, talk to me. I used the Barney Kessel uh, big body guitar for the rhythm, and then I used. Uh, uh, the, the the acoustic here, the Gibson acoustic. I use it on on um, Ohana, Tennessee, and then I that twenty dollar pawn shop uh, nylon string. I use that one on the river. Well, okay, we'll play the river <laughs> next because I want to. This thing sounds great. I know. Tell me a little bit about this guitar. Well, well we moved in Mon to Monrovia, me and my wife, about uh, thirteen or fourteen years ago. Thirteen years ago, and uh, you know, I'm walking around through the neighborhood and. And this old man is retiring, and he's moving from Monrovia, and he's having a yard sale. And every every yard sale I go to, I ask, "Hey, do you have any instruments?" And he goes, "As a matter of fact, I do." He comes out, and he has five guitars, and and uh, he goes, "I don't know, give me two hundred bucks for everything, you know." And so I go, "Well, here's forty now, and I'll be right back, right?" So I, I went home, and I and I got cash, and I went back, and I bought all the guitars, and most of them were trashers, you know, they weren't that great, but the one nylon string had a really unique sound, I thought. And then my guitar tech, Dave Zaslav, really, really hated it because it was really hard to work on, but he got it to play. And so, and that's what it was. That's, you know. So it's, it's predominantly that, or did you use any steel string? Because there's a lot of guitars on that song. Uh, yeah, that's the steel. I, I probably used the GNL Legacy, the, the Strat version of the GNL. And, um, and I think I used the Les Paul also. But, okay, let me play know. the clip. Um, it's a I, it's a long one, and the reason I couldn't cut it down is there's just so much going on in this, and you got listen to what he's he's doing the you know the 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 classical is playing little fills and stuff like that, but there's these layers of these other guitars playing around, and you got to listen how he plays them against each other because they add they add together and it makes a different tonality, and you're doing so we'll break that down a little bit. But this is, a, I, I'm going to play the whole thing because there's a lot of stuff going on and then you're singing and he's playing around that. And then the percussion track, I, I mean, Ramon Banda and Ish Pineda yeah. was just incredible. And so great. this is The River uh, and uh, take a listen and, and we'll talk more. And I, this is an edit. I, I, I ganged a couple of things together. So. I, I need to say one more thing. And then Bob, my brother Bob came up with a part uh, in the middle and it's kind of like a, an ode to the 1960 television shows and see if you could pick out the track. Okay, I, I hope I have it. I don't know what I have. <laughs> Didn't cut that part. Yeah. <laughs> no, we'll see. But it's, All right, yeah, let me right. play this. Yeah, I'm just a bass player. Move the mic off your face.
That's a great sounding guitar. Oh, I know. That just that just sounds. And you know, so awesome. it was it was so easy. You know, we went in the studio and and he basically just placed a mic out in front of me and he says, "Okay, turn to your left, turn a little bit more." And and I just really played on the bridge. I just kind of like, uh, like uh, you know, I I approached it like a percussive instrument. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to, ding, 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 you know, really hit the strings hard. Yeah. On the bridge. Now you dig in on there, but it works. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the guitar it doesn't it doesn't shatter. It goes. Yeah. It, it still goes. But it was nice. The um, I noticed that yeah, there's a the percussion's amazing yeah, but there's a lot of air in there. Yeah. it's not it doesn't get all mushy. It's pretty yeah. clear. You can hear everything. Yeah. And what was that riff that you're playing when he's singing the chorus? There was uh, you're playing. There's like a little. I don't know. I thought it was like an arpeggio. Da 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 da. Oh. Okay, because it's really nice. It comes in and out. It's like you know, it's in there, and it's yeah. just like. And I, I, I got to be honest with you though. When when I was recording the part, I didn't know the changes at the time, so <laughs> I just made the riff up as. <laughs> That's the sometime, best way sometimes. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's those happy accidents that really work. <laughs> and then that and that bass, the bass line in there. Now, what was the thing? Did I catch the? You, no, thing? you no, didn't, I didn't no. catch it. But I, I, I have play a, it, Bob. Just I have play it. Nineteen sixty-eight P bass. I use mm. with uh, James Jamison. What are they call strings? Those like like cable. Mm-hmm. It's got a real deep sound to it. So it's just uh, let's see. Remember that? So it's like uh, I think it's the original Mission Impossible theme. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but we put that in there, you know. Put that in there with a break breakdown. Yeah. Well, because you know, we thought that the song was very thematic. You know, it was kind of like a theater uh, setting. Uh, you know, it could be a soundtrack to a movie or something. Be- before Steve even put the lyrics on it, it was really, really, you know, the, the track really came together real nice. Matter of fact, the the that track was the last song to have lyrics written. Really? Yeah. And what happened was, I. I was thinking about like what what do I do with it lyrically because I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it, and it wasn't until I heard Ramon Banda's percussion part where he's I don't know what he's playing exactly, but he, but it sounds like a horse is. Yeah, he's doing. It's, yeah, it's on there, and and so <laughs> when I ride my bike on the L.A. River, I I had seen the sign. It said a big yellow sign that said horses crossing, and I thought, huh, oh, that's kind of. Well, and I was listening to the track with no lyrics, and I thought, gee, you know, I had just passed uh, like 40 or 50 homeless people on the, on, oh. the, on the bike pathway. Right. And I thought it's interesting that they would have a, a sign for horses to cross, but not for humans. <laughs> you know, and it, it just struck me as like, I think that's what I'm going to write the song about. So it's about the homeless on the Alley River. Oh, and, wow. Um, that's how I came up with the uh-huh. lyric idea. Yeah. It's a beautiful the, the your your uh, vocal part, great great, soulful, really just beautiful stuff. I mean, all throughout the album, your vocals are just amazing on there. Well, yeah, you know, like normally on the record, I would get you know one or two songs to sing, but you know Stevie was leaving on a Hawaiian vacation, and so and I knew the record was coming to an end. You know, we had to get it finished, and so I go, okay, come come on in, Steve. We got to get this this record done. And so he came in and he nailed every song. And they go, well, dude, <laughs> why would I even try to sing? Right <laughs> I mean, there's no, I mean, I could have done it, you know, but it would have been, you know, why? Just, yeah. You know. 
So he he just went. That's on. a sign of a good producer <laughs> when you know. Yeah. Oh, I. There's mean, nothing. That, that's it. No, I we, don't need to do anything. That's that's actually yeah. a very yeah. That's a very wise thing. To say. <laughs> no, no kidding. But the, they that, they said his voice is so soulful. Yeah. And compared to now the other album that you did before, is that the one that had all the brass in it? Yes, exactly. Because this seems more back to basics. Well, that was intentional. Yeah, that we we really wanted to get back to basics and. And be, you know, we really just wanted the four-piece band, mm-hmm. but you know, we also knew that we needed percussion. So, but the idea with the percussion is because uh, we have Ishpaneta playing with us, and he has a Latin jazz background, but Ramon Banda, who plays blues and jazz and rock and everything else, and he's also a drummer. So, I my idea was my producer had on. I I, I merged them together, and I said, okay, you guys can come in, and Ish is gonna uh, respect. Uh, Ramon Banda as a maestro, which he did. And so, and then Ramon, you know, he was able to direct Ish in a way that it really worked for the band. And so they played together, and I, th- I thought it was magic. I thought it was yeah. really, really special. Really great. Not that I don't want you guys to do more brass stuff. I really like those brass arrangements. Well, you, know, so you, did, you know, nudge, nudge for the next album. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, it was, uh, but this is a great, it's, it's a solid four piece, yeah. basically. I mean, yes, the percussion, the, the, the little highlights are great, but I mean, it's very solid and full. Yeah. Well, you know, and then the other thing I, I think we think about, too, is a lot of bands fall into the trap of having special guests on the record. And and I think that dis- distracts from the band itself. So we really deliberately wanted to keep it, you know, just the Delgado Brothers. But then there's, you know, you just have to have, you have to have Teresa James on a background, you know, <laughs> song. And you have to have, you know, background vocals on some things and you know, and we could have done the background vocals, but I thought to have the rhythm tramps on most of the background vocals was a nice touch too. Yeah. So, and it does not take away. From no, and it, no. no, the focus is still the yeah. four piece. Right. It definitely is the four piece. Right. Yeah. I also want on on that note give uh, credit to John Avila for actually arranging a lot of the background vocals. Yeah, he's uh, he's very very good at that. Well, he, he becomes the fifth Beatle at that point. You know, when we're yeah. we're mixing and editing, he he really has a lot to say. And he's he gets really excited about you know what we're mm-hmm. doing. So, so how much uh, did you let him go when you got to the mix down? Did you basically let him give you what he thought and then go from there, or did you? Well, we you know we when we went to him when we finally got to John Avila, the record was pretty much done, um, and so his job is to is gather all the pieces together and bring it up. So so as as a producer, I sat there and watched him you know do his thing. And then we all, you know, we all, had, like I said, we all had to say, where's that part at that we had, you know, we, we were very, very careful not to let anything get by us. And if they had an idea, he would come up with a lot of ideas. And, and we, we take most of them, but there would be some like, well, I don't think so, John. You know? <laughs> and he was cool with it. You know, yeah. he, he understands. Well, it's a give and take. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but pretty equally then you guys were oh, yeah. listening we, to the arrangements, what you wanted to hear. There, yeah. We own this thing. There, there's no, you know. We we own it, so that's yeah. good. No, no, it's it sounds really great. I want to play the other acoustic clip, Ohana, Tennessee. Tell me a little bit about that. The behind the lyric of that. The lyric of that is um, that's well, a good one. We have oops, sorry, our oldest brother Ed Delgado, Nashville, Tennessee. He uh, he lived in Hawaii for uh, decades. I think thirty mm-hmm. years or so. And it, anyway, kind of a long story. I try to condense it. His, his son, David, and his wife, Jen, moved to Florida. Then Dave got a job in Nashville, Tennessee. So they, had, they wanted Ed to come because they had two children, two daughters, and they wanted Ed to mm-hmm. come be with them 
because they didn't want him being out in Hawaii by himself and see the girls grow up. So Ed reluctantly went to Nashville. And uh, he, you know, he loves his family, he loves his granddaughters, but he's not that crazy about Nashville and, and certainly the weather from, uh, from a Hawaii standpoint. Mm -hmm. So he would tell me oftentimes when I would talk to him, he said, Steve, you know, I like Nashville, but man, when the winter comes, it's I get depressed and it's cold and and I just I just don't like it, you know. And I said, yeah, I can understand. But there was one day we were there to play for the Nam show in the summertime, and we were walking out to go to the show. And his granddaughter uh, Bella, she uh, called out after him. She said, uh, "Bumpa, you know, I'll see you later." And he had been telling me about how much he didn't like Nashville. And I said, "Well, Ed, looks like you're stuck." <laughs> you know, with that little voice telling yeah. him that you know that she was going to see him later, so I knew then that even though he doesn't like Nashville, I, I think he likes it now. But, but it's the draw <laughs> of his granddaughter. So I had this. Uh, Joe had the riff idea, and I was thinking about like, how do I make this about Brother Ed? Mm -hmm. So on a on a misty field morning with the road hard to see and what's interesting is that line which I don't know if anybody picks it up except for me was on a misty filled morning with the road hard to see while well, he's actually crying as he's looking out at this oh. at this gray kind of cold road and that, that was the beginning of, of the song so Ohana Tennessee Ohana meaning family in Tennessee oh the, the Ohana is the uh, means family in Hawaiian family The, uh, all right, I'm going to go ahead and play this clip, and there's there's acoustic guitars, and then it goes into an electric lead, and then I'll 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 play because that's a great lead. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I'm, I'm a sucker for a good lead. Are you guys going to play it some of it live? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah we got to yeah. do some of that. So let me show what what you did on the album, and then we'll take a listen okay. to what you're you're doing there. Uh, so this is Ohana, Tennessee, and it's really, my, my glasses. My glasses are misting. Here, here we go. Here we go. So, yeah, yeah. 
so you have the acoustic guitar and there's another guitar but it sounds like electric or is that two acoustic guitars? no it's electric so it's the gnl asat which is the tally version mm-hmm. and i ran that through the super reverb with uh with the overdrive on but i turned the volume down so i don't it's a little breakup but it's not you know full-on distorted and then i use the vibrato that on that song i use the vibrato on the super reverb oh okay yeah and so that uh, so it's playing the lead, but it then it but be before you go to the lead, it's playing those. There's yeah, like I, d- I double like the complementary chord right. to the uh, what's the, play the riff. Okay, and, so, and bring the bass in there too. Might as well. just kind of like and then uh, what I liked about it too is like so I go and then what was the GNL playing uh, complimenting to that do you remember Uh, it was it's basically the same thing I just layered it and so and then but then I would do you know because it was um, doing something higher up see I'm in the key of E So it was that that was that guitar? Yeah, and then you could hear the. It's funny. I, I just listened to it right now. There's a there's a clicking because I'm when I'm picking. I, I have a tendency to tap the guitar when I'm mm-hmm. playing the part. So you know you could hear it on the it's track. Very sensitive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we had talked about that before on the other show. Yeah. It's finger picking your influences because there's a lot of folk in it. Yeah, and, and the way you're playing. And well, you know, and then I thought a lot about that. You know, you make, you kind of gave me a hard time about. It. I think I hear more than James Taylor, and I do. I did listen, to, <laughs> I, but he's actually a very good player. No, no, he is. He is. But uh, but uh, but uh, I think I listened to Doc Watson, and there there was a. So who was the other guys that we used to listen Why to? The Dalmore Brothers. Are, yeah, and then uh, just old country stuff. Basically. And then you know the the a lot of John Hyatt stuff with uh, the guys that played with him and. And uh, just I, I just love that kind of stuff. Yeah. No, it's a great and, and the line that you do, the way you, the the little melody of the the lower strings wow. is just it, it's yeah. really good. It complements the. It's just great counterpoint to your vocal. Yeah. See, I forget how the part goes. But that's a folk thing. What yeah. he's doing is yeah. a folk thing. That's not really a country thing. Though the licks that you're doing on the the ASAT are country. Yeah, little country yeah, things. yeah. Well, that's the tally. You're you know? kind of doing a. You're trying to mimic well, a pedal steel. Well, and and you know, think about it. You know that the the concept was Ohana, Tennessee. So I try to stay with a Nashville vibe. So that, yeah, it definitely so, it definitely has that. And vibe. then and then the, the acoustic part was supposed to be like a slack key, mm-hmm. you know, Hawaiian style slack key. So, anyway. But it, it 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 works. But I love it. <laughs> he's, he's a great. You're a great finger picker. I, mean, I love <laughs> your you. finger picking. It's great <laughs> stuff. I'm gonna do a non-guitar question right now. I want to ask a little bit about what you used for your kit on the on the sessions. Were you using this set? Uh, yeah, pretty much what you see. And tell except, us a little bit about this. 
Well, this particular snare drum, it's actually new for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I used a Ludwig Superphonic mm -hmm. snare that I had just bought, which I loved a lot. But my good buddy, uh, Dan Jacobson, sold me this Anton Fig signature snare made in Japan. Dan Hennis. Dan Jimenez. Dan Jimenez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Sorry, Dan. And and anyway, I, so I've been using it ever since, and uh, I, I like it a lot. And it, it's so... It's really a basic set. I, I can you pop that up for a minute so they can see it on the camera? Gotcha. What's interesting about this snare is usually the rim of a snare is metal. Uh, this is uh, laminated. What is that? Maple? I think it's yeah, it's maple. Maple. So look at on the the, uh, the the rims of it. It's maple. And the and the lugs are all inset into the wood. The yeah. Same with the bottom. Yeah. That's a good size snare on there. Yeah. <laughs> the, fat, the fattest ones I could find, uh, you know, the broadest. Yeah, yeah I but I mean that, uh, that 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 maple rim. It has to affect the sound. It sounds a little darker than most of the. Yeah. I mean, it sounds darker than a Ludwig Superphonic. It does. But that's a brass. I think that's a brass shell. Well, right? you know, yeah. Steve, Stevie's had a uh, the DW set for sheesh. I don't even know how many years yeah, now. About Seventeen years. Seventeen years, and it just it just sounds amazing. And so we set that up in the in the in the studio where we were tracking and uh, that was the most important thing to get the drums right and once we had the drums right anything can happen after that so and then i i had talked about like you know i, was, I mean you, you see the you took a picture of the delgado brothers it's a great logo. of course we could put that on any 22 inch kick drum but you know i was i was it was a few months back and we had a few gigs uh, in a month and so i was you know had a little extra cash and I was talking about buying an, uh, another set of drums, and you know, Bob says, "Steve, what do you want to do that for?" He goes, well, "What's wrong?" His big brother Bob. What's wrong with the drums that you yeah. have? And I said, "Oh yeah, this coming from the guy who has 163 bases. <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, he only has 30 bases, <laughs> but it's a lot." Yeah. So, anyway, I said, "You know what? I think you're right. It sounds great. Why? You know, now, why is this a, this is a Ludwig? This no, this is a DW. DW. That's a DW. Yeah. So that's from your older kit. Yeah." And that's maple. Yeah, hit that baby. That yeah. yeah, and this you know this kick drum is amazing because it I never tune it, I never change the head, and it just oh, it yeah. just always sounds great. He's got a port. You can't see it down here, but I took some pictures. There's a port, bass port in here. It's a nice. It's a nice set. I mean, it really yeah. sounds nice. Unfortunately, we can't get real loud in here, but uh, it 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 does. Even when he was warming up, we could hear a little bit. And uh, but now when you mic this. What did you, how how did you mic this? Did you pull the mics back? Well, okay, so on, on the photos that I sent you, I deliberately sent you one with a with the drum set with the mic placement. And, and Ray Moore being, you know, who he is, I think he had three different microphones just on the kick. Whoa. And, and then he had uh, uh, mics on each individual drum, and then he had overhead mics um, over the drums, and then he had a mic back in the back of the room. So he captured the. So he's and, going for the room too. Oh yeah, he yeah the the did room. He, did he tape anything on the snare? Tape it down? No. Oh really? So you don't you don't deaden the? You usually run it pretty uh, live. Yeah, I might have used maybe may have used a little bit of uh, you know just a little bit of tape just to take us some of the ring off. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, just not to keep much. It from no, I remember in sessions we used to tape our wallets. Down yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> no, he yeah. Does that. and then you would put the reverb in it. It just sounded amazing. Well, Stevie only does that after payday. Nah. <laughs> and I get paid a lot, so I'm good. Wait it down, wait it down. Now, um, let me ask uh, Bobby a little bit. What were, what did you use 
predominantly on the what bases did you yeah, use? Yeah, the sixty-eight P base for most yeah. of it, or for did most you? of it. Yeah, I I have a Hoffner. I used I used that in maybe because um, he showed some pictures of us in a. Is that the Hoffner? Yeah, the Hoffner. Used, yeah, the Beetle base. It had, no, it wasn't oh, a. B oh, no, he had the BSX base too. That, oh, that's the, the upright. It's a he, double cutaway. It looks like almost like a three thirty-five type body on it. Oh, oh, that was oh, your. That, that's uh, the, the Jack Cassidy. Epiphone? No, that's I saw Epiphone. the Jack Cassidy the Gibson. <laughs> oh, that's. Uh... But there's another one that was a semi. He's got a lot. He's got a lot of bases. But anyway, and then he ha he has a BSX uh, upright, okay. electric upright. But and we tried to use it on a couple tracks, but we couldn't get the pitch right. It's it's really difficult to yeah. get the fretless on the on the track. Yeah, so, so I just bring the P base and that. The P base sounds amazing. Well, P base will yeah. fit anywhere. But oh, this this what, base is great. What year is yeah, this, this music? Is, this thing? is a '76. A P, uh, music Man uh, Stingray '76. <clears throat> That's a beautiful base too. Yeah, a, you can tell with, it was white. Yeah, yeah. He left it in the sun. Uh, yes, my GNL is yellow like that. That's the nitrocellulose. It just ate. that's what happens. That's, but that's good. I like that. But you were talking about you had you had some so, G, the, you had some GNL. You know he used to he made that Leo right. Fender designed that base. Yeah, he couldn't legally say it, but they, he would just go down the hall and Music Man was there and yeah, he, right. he put that. So well, same thing with my amp. You know, I have the Music Man. RD one twelve, and that was part of the, his uh, research and development team. Yeah, and uh, but and they don't. This is a very unique amp too. It's a solid state uh, preamp and then a, a powered tube amp. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of tricky to work on. So, but it sounds. I love this little amp. It's great. They were popular. They yeah, were really, they're loud and and yeah, everybody. Punchy. Whenever I take it to a show, I had one of those. Yeah, <laughs> and then they heavy go, too. man, and very heavy. Very well, heavy. I call this a Chris Kane model. This is a Chris Kane has used this. Uh, Forever the same amp, mm -hmm. and uh, but they, I thought they were lighter than like oh, a no. twin. No, it's it's heavy. Really, I think it weighs as much as my Super actually. The the magnet's wow. almost as big as these so it speakers. must because of the speakers. Yeah, the speakers huge because the solid state should be nothing. Yeah. It, I mean, it's just the power tube. So right, right. But that yeah, no, those are nice amps yeah. that were really. And there was a little mod that you could do where you could gang. There was a little thing you could buy that would go through the reverb. Jackson Brown used to use it, and it would give him distortion, and it would use ah. the reverb tube, and that's how he'd get that really ah. that really gritty distortion. Yeah. They used to use it on there a lot. That's funny. I remember him at NAMM, they were showing that little guy. It's pretty <laughs> interesting. Now, did you, you use the, let's talk a little bit about the what you're using here. This is an interesting system. Well, this is, a, I got a, a Mark Base cabinet, 12 inch, mm -hmm. and then, I, well, I used, this is more or less my practice amp. And it's a GK two hundred, mm -hmm. and then I'll use the DI box. Uh, Sans amp. San, yeah. He has a Sans amp, but it's more. Than, is it just a DI, or does it have the distortion in it? Why not distortion? Or overdrive? Yeah, like an overdrive. So you uses that to get gritty. But that just little get, that little GK that thing weighs like about two ounces. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And how much power does that have? Is that 100 that watts? 200 watts or I think it's 200 watts. I think it's, it's really yeah. light. It's, it doesn't yeah, even You feel. put that in your backpack. But on the recordings, I went direct. Yeah. Just all so, direct? Yeah. Direct. Uh, there, there again, uh, Ray Moore, the engineer, he has all these amazing old vintage uh, two pre preamps. And so you run a base through that, man, it sounds fat. You don't have to do nothing. So yeah. it's not, it's, it's, you know, people have the uh, misconception of going direct to the board, but not like this. When you use this, the right stuff, it sounds incredible. Right. So so they, he compressed it a little yeah, bit to even it out. Do you use compression live when you play? No. 
Okay. Because they, a lot of people like that, that to, to even it out and fatten it up, but it's... Yeah, we're old school, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, can't, I can't use a compressor. I've tried using a compressor, and it makes me crazy. So. Yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely, it's, it's an effect. Yeah. It definitely. But speaking of, um, tell us a little bit about your pedal board. I'm going to kind of sneak over here and try to take a picture of it. Okay, well. you got some other stuff on there from well, last time. Yeah, it, I mean, it's the same. I've, I've had the same pedal board for many years. My, the latest addition to it is my little LED light, which actually costs as much as one of my pedals. Um, but it's, you know, it's really cool. It turns red, and I like it. Anyway, and then I have the Wazoo, uh, what is this, the Voodoo Labs wallet pedal. Mm-hmm. And I, I have this one effect that I really like that I use on the record. Oh, let's see, where is it at? Oh, shoot. It's out of control. <laughs> oh, it does sample and hold. Yeah, anyway, that I use that effect on the two trains uh, on that on that pedal mm-hmm. so you hear like a little wah 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 effect and then I have my dual stage overdrive uh, by Oddfellow it's uh, Caveman and uh, my, my buddy John turned me on to that one and the little silver pedal is my switch for the vibrato on the Super Reverb it just it triggers on and off mm-hmm. and then the Timmy pedal I like it's kind of like a, a transparent overdrive and it, all that does is give me a little dirt a little great with a boost mm-hmm. and um so it, it's a little bit more. So I have three stages of overdrive. So like, like a clean boost, a dirty overdrive, and then a clean, a cleaner distortion. And then just a basic delay and a chorus just to give me a little. When you were doing the leads on the album, did you just crank the amp up or did you use the pedals? I, I use the pedal. I, uh, like sometimes, like for the Les Paul, I didn't really use uh, that. The pickups are so hot. I used, uh, I have the other Odd Fellow pickup that's called the, uh, I think it's called the Emperor, mm-hmm. and it, and it's the same thing as a Timmy, and it just with that the, that combination is just oof, it's really really fat, mm-hmm. really nice. Yeah, no, so, the the tone is great, and then he processed later. I noticed on some of the songs there was kind of a chorusing flourish to it. A right, little bit. That, that was John Avila, and sometimes I I miss it. You know, it's, I it's, I mean, I I didn't really care for that sometimes, and so I would have him take it off, and and he was cool with it, but he like he can, you know he just wanted to add a little effect to it. You fatten it up a little bit, but yeah. I mean, I can see what you can, you yeah. can overuse it yeah. if you're not careful. Yeah, I, I try to stay away from that. I, I like a delay. I mean, delays don't bother me as much, you know. I like kind of like... I heard that. a little bit. He yeah. had like in the background a little right. bit. It was very right. subtle, though. Yeah. It was nice. Yeah. Well, I told you it would go by fast. It's we already... want to hear something live. Oh. Well, I'm going to have them take us out, I think, to do something live, to take us out, because we're almost out of time, but I want to get in all of the information First of all, it's uh, DelgadoBrothers.com is their website, and you can find out all the information and what they're doing, what's going on. But uh, I want uh, you guys just to mention where you guys are playing because you've got a couple of gigs coming up. Yeah, the so we, the next thing up is uh, we're going to San Francisco playing the Biscuits and Blues, and uh, that's November 17th. And then uh, after that, we go to Europe, and we're playing all over Belgium. There's a whole list of our gigs and we'll be there right after Thanksgiving through the first week of December. Wow. And that'll Very be fun. good. Yeah. And then uh, after that, we come back to Santa Monica, play Harvels on December 29th for a pre-New Year's Eve party. And uh, that's the last Saturday of uh, 2018. So wow. Should be fun. Great way to take out the year. Yeah. In case anybody's thinking of joining us, it's actually going to, if they want to go to Europe, it's going to be in Amsterdam. In Amsterdam. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and it's all the, all the gigs are listed on our website, and I just put them on the Facebook page too. Yeah, your the, your brother should go if he goes to Amsterdam at that yeah. time. Yeah, when he comes back to Tennessee, he's gonna think that's nice because yeah. <laughs> it gets cold in Amsterdam. Sure, yeah. Oh yeah, we we're always. I mean, this is like the third time. Well, the third time I've been there. The brothers we've no, been to. Like, this is probably the third time coming up. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. But I'm gonna rent a bike the whole week we're there. Oh, very cool. He's gonna drive my brothers crazy. <laughs> yeah. No, we're, no, he's not. Yeah. So. <laughs> and your CDs are available oh, yeah. through Everywhere. your website, right? Yeah. So we we have our brand new record, uh, Two Trains, on our own label, Bell Asher Records, and it's available everywhere: uh, Amazon, uh, CD Baby, um, iTunes. We we did a master it for iTunes. So if you if you purchase it on iTunes, it's a high resolution uh, version of it, and it sounds really really good on on iTunes. I think. And then uh, just everywhere. If you do Shazam, you know. Right. Um, so it's available on yeah. all the yes. usual outlets. Yeah, as all the usual right. outlets. Yeah. So before you guys play, I want to thank you guys, but uh, you got a bunch of stuff coming up. Let us know. There, there are many things coming up with uh, people who have actually been on this show. So uh, Steve Postel is the soonest, which is next Saturday with a uh, house concert with Lois Blaish, actually at Lois Blaish's house, mm-hmm. and Jody Siegel, who we're trying to get on this show. So that's uh, on the 10th, and I'm going to give you the information to post on your on Okay, it'll web, be up on yeah, the on site. The page. Bill Champlin uh, has a new project called Wonderground, which is together with oh, a whole bunch of people, including his wife Tamara and uh, Burley Drummond and Mary Harris from Ambrosia, and that's on the 15th coming up at Bogey's. And the 17th is uh, Strawberry Alarm Clock playing the whiskey. They mm-hmm. do that kind of annually. Uh, Rosemary Butler is doing a Linda Ronstadt tribute at Vitello's on the 18th. We hear you, Bobby. <laughs> and lastly... <laughs> Sorry. I'm whispering over here. Um, British singer-songwriter, piano player uh, Judith Owen will be playing at Bogies, a really special night uh, with her producer, bass player Leland Sklar. So oh, that's wow. on the 20th. So come see any or all of those if you're local. Yeah, yeah. Yes. By the way, Bogies is a great venue. Bogies is the bomb. It's great for musicians. Delgado Brothers great played for, there last yeah. year. And and we're coming we'll back. We'll have them back, yeah. yeah. We'll have them back, too. Well, I want to thank you guys. It's really an honor to have you guys on the show. And yeah, I wish fun. you the best of luck with this album. It's a great album. It really is. And so is Learn to Fly, everybody. Pick yes, that one up, too. because it has all that really cool brass in it, <laughs> which is going to be on the next album, <laughs> Nudge, Nudge. No. Anyway, uh... I'll let you guys take us out. What are you going to play? Well, we, uh, Explore Your Mind, is that cool? Or do you want to do the other one? Yeah, live for today. Live for today? Okay. Thank you, Jeff. Okay. okay. Thank you, <laughs> oh, Jeff. Thank you, Lori, for putting this together. Doug, for helping me set this up. Thanks, Doug. All right. Uh, let's take us out. Everybody have a great week. <clears throat> Here we go.